Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boar Sport Podcast with me, Sam Matthews Bomer. Today is a more unique and some would say more niche episode where I'm joined by Curtis Lung, the Boar's resident NFL expert, to discuss a new concept which began this season which is called fan-controlled football, that football being American football. So I was very taken by the idea when I read Curtis's article last week in the Boar which you should go and check out on the website, and thought there would be a really interesting topic to do as a podcast. So to give a kind of uh, short one-sentence introduction to fan-controlled football, it is a professional indoor football league created in 2017 as the first sports league controlled by fans. So off the back of that very, very brief, very simple introduction, Curtis, I'll leave you to give a more in-depth introduction, as you know far more about it than me. So what, what is the concept and what is the league that has sprung as a result of it? Uh, yes, I wouldn't say I know the, the most or, or anything like that. And I definitely don't know more than, than the supporters know. But um, from, from what I understand, fan-controlled football is a fantastically new, innovative way of playing sport, which is where people can get involved as fans in a more dynamic way than what we understand in normal sports. And how it works is that essentially in American football, you get different plays um, to, to help advance the ball. And so to advance the ball, you have different ways that you can, you can, um, you can um, play. So you've got a passing game, you've got a running game, you've got different ways to run the ball, you've got different ways to pass the ball. And so in fan-controlled football, when you become a fan, when you pay to become a fan of a team, you're able to vote on decisions such as whether you want to run the ball, whether you want to pass the ball, uh, and sort of decisions on whether your team should make a move for certain players, you know, transfers, that kind of thing. And so it's a really innovative way of, you know, almost like football manager in a way. I'm sure many people are familiar with that game. And it's like that, but, you know, your actions really take a toll on this team in real life. Yeah, so is that, is that how fans actually get involved? So there's a play... Or, and in the window before that play takes place, they vote on what's going to happen. Yeah. Is, is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. It's just like that. So um, you, you, there's sort of a 40-second play clock, which is what normal NFL teams have, where the coaches and the players decide on a play that's going to happen. And in fan-controlled football, what happens is there is like four different plays that come up on your screen on your phone, and you can sort of just pick whichever one you think is best. And then off the back of that, Whoever gets, whichever play gets the most votes becomes the play that the team chooses. And it works both offensively and defensively. So the defensive team gets to pick a play as well. Yeah, I mean, that, as a fan of uh, sport and football specifically, that sounds like an amazing idea because we're always shouting from the touchline, oh, the manager should make this decision, the manager should make that decision. And so to actually be able to take those decisions just really appealed to me when I read your article. So kind of focusing on, on the technicalities of kind of choosing choosing which play your team's going to make who decides which plays are on offer is that a coach or or how does that work yeah it's mostly um done by the coaches so to, to give it a bit more of a broad overview a lot of these teams have what we might consider a philosophy so some teams will run the ball more some teams will pass the ball more and at the end of the day these decisions are, are down to the owners of the clubs and the the coaches themselves but generally speaking there are a set number of plays that the teams have and then the coaches will decide you know which four plays should be in contention for voting here mm -hmm. and so so kind of following on from that 
do the game's rules kind of differ from those of the kind of more traditional NFL, which we know so well, to make it more appealing to the fans? Yeah, they do. So, um, I mean, one of the points I highlighted in my article was that there's a running clock. So in the NFL, mm. the clock stops at different points, such as an incompletion from the passing te- from the attacking team, rather, or if a player steps out of bounds. Whereas no such thing really happens in fan-controlled football. It's sort of just free-flowing. The play's over, voting starts for the next one, and then just keeps going. So that, that's one major difference. I suppose it, it, it feels a lot different because the the field size is different and and sort of um the audience is in a different place in fan control football so there's all of this different sort of dynamic as well which adds to this explosive feeling that fan control football has that nfl doesn't quite possess so kind of in my mind i'm envisaging a kind of almost like five-a-side football in a way kind of a smaller pitch a far more frantic far more going on in each minute of the game which kind of engages the fans much more. Is that is that a good comparison to make? Yeah, absolutely, Sam. I think um, many people in America even liken it to um, this Madden game mode, um, which is the NFL game that EA Sports have, like FIFA, but for American football. It, it's a game mode called The Yard, and it's basically like FIFA Street. Um, mm. So, yeah, exactly like street football. And also one of the things that really, when I was reading your article, kind of engaged me about the league, and I've actually downloaded the app now so i'm i'm a fully fully or not quite paid up yet but i'm a fully paid up member of 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 fan control football one of the things that really appealed to me was that fans vote weekly in a draft do they not so with kind of a team's roster apart from two franchise players changes week on week which kind of leads me on to two more questions um about fan controlled football which is are all the players kind of jointly owned by the league? And does this idea completely level the playing field between the four teams involved? Kind of those four teams being, at the moment, the Beasts, the Glacier Boys, Wild Aces and the Zappers. So they're, are they kind of all as good as each other, effectively, because there's such this high turnover of players? I'd like to think so. I think a lot of American sports have this culture in them. Um, that there isn't sort of a dominant team. Of course, there are some teams which always do well based on their philosophy, but, you know, every year is a new year for each American sports team, in my opinion. You watch the NBA, you watch the MLB, you watch the NFL, you know, your team could be the top of their division or the bottom of their division every year. And I think that's sort of echoed in fan-controlled football in that sense. I can see that. And so, so at the start of the season, as you were kind of saying, there's no real telling of who's actually going to win the championship at the end of it, which... Again, being a Colchester United fan, <laughs> constantly being at the bo- bottom of the league and knowing at the start of the season that you're going to be at the bottom of the league, that kind of, again, appeals to me as it's, as, as it's on such a level playing field. Um, so the league has also started to accrue some, quite some backing from high-profile owners. So when I was having a quick look at the Wikipedia page, which is always my first point of reference <laughs> yes. on, on something that I don't know much about, um, I saw that Mike Tyson is an owner and also the co-founder of Reddit, who's called Alexis Ohanian. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but I hope that's right. Um, so it obviously appeals to the people owning the clubs. So has the fan uptake been similar? As I can imagine that the whole squad changing week on week, as much as it's a very good idea, could lead to some kind of almost connection issues with fans failing to affiliate fully with their team. And I kind of guess the fact that as all the games are usually played in one location, that kind of also removes the 
local loyalty factor as well so is kind of fan interest in it has it has it been has it been big or or is there less interest than expected you know that's that's an interesting point actually I haven't really thought about it massively but um yeah it, it's really interesting I think um part of the answer to that would be the idea that fan control football isn't really one of those sports that you have a localized fan area you know because it it's quite video gamey in the sense that a lot of it is done online so a lot of these transfers a lot of these you know a lot of the watching is done online and I don't think there is really much of a geography aspect to it um, in terms of keeping fans loyal as you mentioned there's the franchise players which I think fans can really get behind people like Johnny Manziel who used to be a um, mm-hmm. NFL footballer he's a real icon for the Zappers at the moment and I think a lot of Zappers fans can get behind him and he's sort of their franchise guy at the moment um, so I think there's that and there's also you know these personalities that own the the clubs that you mentioned are, are quite out there a lot of the time and I think they sort of shape how a club is. So if, if you're a huge, like, Marshall Lynch fan from the 2010 NFL, then perhaps you'll, you'll root for him and you'll root for his team. But, you know, if, you, if you're not so keen on Marshall Lynch, then maybe you would not vote for them. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I kind of looked at when, when I was first signing up to the, to the app was the names and which, which one most appealed to me. And, and I like the Zappers and off the back of that you then do get engaged in the team itself you look at the players especially the two franchise players that you were mentioning like your Johnny Franzels and and off the back of that you get more and more engaged and so yeah I can see why why it would appeal to you as a fan Um, and so as what we can maybe call mainstream sport kind of off the back of what I was talking about with the owners um, it's mainstream sport is largely driven by money these days would you say that frank controlled football is the same so what can what kind of wages are the players on and is there much financial benefit for the for the owners themselves you mentioned that there's a kind of sign up fee for fans does that does that kind of lead to a profit for the owners or are they just in it for the fun of it i think it's a bit of both i think um a lot of the owners are in it like nfl players are in it because they really see a good opportunity here to develop their football career after they've retired from the nfl and um, i also think that there is a fantastic business opportunity here because you're sort of paying to become a fan and that's quite a big deal i mean imagine if manchester united did that they'd have a lot of income from that um but yeah i mean on top of just becoming a fan requires payment you've got merchandise you've got stuff like that you've got advertisement from streaming your games um, you've got Twitch signups, you've got all of this subscription fees. And I think, you know, it's a different sort of income to what you'd expect from traditional sports clubs, for example. I mean, because that was one of the main main kind of points which which I focused on when trying to kind of see if it could translate into other sports because other sports kind of unfortunately are so much driven by money these days and whether you can draw a profit out of a, out of a I don't know, a football club or a rugby club or something like that. And so... As you as you say, there are many ways for these fan control football clubs to actually get money. I mean, all the games are on Twitch, so apart from the fact that people can watch the games in the stadiums, there is also the fact that you get the kind of subscription fees and the money that comes off the back of that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so it's definitely a way for owners to get money, and so I definitely could see it translating, hopefully, into other sports. Um, one of the things that struck me, though, was that there are as as it stands, only 
only four teams in the league, which effectively isn't really much of a league. It's more of a more of a group stage at the moment, you could say. And so the CAO saw Rob Farudi um, suggested that by 2026, he aims to have 20 teams in the league. So would you say that that's a kind of realistic goal? I mean, I'm in no position to say, but with, with the way they're moving, it looks like it because, you know, as they were founded in 2017, they've, they've really hit a huge year this year with the pandemic. And um, I personally have seen some NFL fans transfer to fan control football since February after the Super Bowl. And it seems to have really, really been popular amongst these people. And so I could definitely see their, their fan base becoming bigger because of the past year. And, you know, I can't see why not, to be honest. I mean, 20 teams sounds like a lot now compared to four. But, um, you know, over six years, a lot can happen. So, so we'll see. Yeah, you mentioned that in your article about it. NFL fans really, really taking to the idea and the concept and it even kind of potentially becoming a second league to the NFL. So would that, would that kind of work as it almost being a feeder league with players developing there under fans' control and then potentially moving to the NFL in the future? I know they've got the whole college system. But is, that, is, that, is that a possibility? I could see it. I think um, it's more likely to be a league where players sort of go back to after they don't make it in the NFL as opposed to a feeder league. So you've got the college system, which is obviously fantastic. And um, teams, teams get their, the majority of their players from the college system. But for example, if a player doesn't really work out in the NFL and he's sort of a time time away from the league to develop himself, then I could definitely see fan control football being that safe haven for players to express themselves and develop their skills in a more fast-paced and more dynamic, perhaps more light-hearted even, atmosphere. And there are those players that we've already mentioned, Johnny Franzel, and there are a couple of others, I think, who have made that step. They haven't quite succeeded in the NFL. And so they've gone into fan-controlled football and I think Johnny Franzel has kind of ripped the league apart yes. so far. And so could that potentially be a move, would you say, to go from the NFL, don't do so well there, you go to fan-controlled football, a real success, and then could you potentially move back to the NFL? Do you think that could be a possibility? Definitely. Um, we saw um, Josh Gordon do this, actually. He hasn't gone back to the NFL, but he showed a lot of potential as a rookie in the NFL but then sort of he had substance abuse issues he had injury issues and he, he went back he went to FCF for a bit he's been playing a few games there but you know he's still young I could definitely see him having a season or two left in the NFL if he really wanted to yeah yeah kind of on a slight tangent to that so in my extensive research for this um, podcast I saw that around 2016 to 17 there's this kind of the first team on which the concept was kind of tested out was called Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, <laughs> who tried to complete compete in the Indoor Football League, which is a kind of cousin, I, I think, to the huge worldwide NFL. But that team, the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles, didn't really have a very good record. I think they won five and lost 11, uh-huh. 11 games. And so, so do you think that team was... Obviously, I'm not expecting you to know huge amounts about the Salt Lake Screaming Eagles 2016 <laughs> to 17 season. But um, do you think that the concept would really work against more traditional teams? Or do you think it's only ever really possible in a league where all the teams are fan controlled, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's a difficult one, really. I feel like fan controlled football has worked mostly because of the pandemic, if I'm honest. And I don't know if I'm you know, understating them a little bit, but I think most of their popularity has been gained over the past year. And um, 
I think that it's sort of a circumstantial thing where they've found success. And I think they can sustain it now they've got it. But um, I think it was just a perfect situation for them, basically. Yeah. I can also imagine that when you have got a coach on the sideline who can make those kind of instant decisions in-game and rally his team around and give those team talks and know exactly the tactics that he's going to put in place in certain situations against a team where every single decision is made by fans who, as much as they might be passionate about the sport, they might not, such as myself, know too much about it. And so I can imagine against against those kind of those finely honed, finely tuned professional teams, it might it not might not be the most successful. Yes. Which kind of kind of leads me on to my next question, which is about potentially this kind of concept moving into other sports. So obviously American football and baseball, which I'm pretty sure the sport is the sport that we're in which the idea was kind of first founded. Um, they're stop-start sports. So you have a play and then play stops. You regroup and think and think of another tactic at that point. So is there ever a chance, do you think, of such a concept being seen in kind of faster sports such as basketball or maybe even football? Yeah, um, I think this has been looked at quite a lot by people who are interested in this idea of fans having more power over sports clubs. And um, whilst I don't think they'd have as big of an impact in terms of deciding exactly what players do, I think that teams could benefit from having fan insight. And I think that could be a huge avenue that more teams could look at. I mean, if we go back to American football for a second, a franchise such as the Green Bay Packers, one of the most you know, successful franchises currently, um, I think they have the most number of MVPs, in fact. They're a fan-owned club and their philosophy is sort of um, decided by their fans, by the original Packers, as we know them. And so I think teams could look at that model and be like, we could implement something like that, you know, if there was a Premier League team which is founded by fans, owned by fans, and their philosophy was determined by fans and their transfers, um, I think it could be like that. But I, I don't necessarily think that you could have something where fans have their finger on the pulse in the game. Yeah, I think in football you've seen, I think Swansea City and maybe Wickham Wanderers have been teams which have been fan-controlled in the past. Obviously, that kind of limits them financially because those fans, unfortunately, don't really have the funds that a billionaire owner would. And it has been interesting to see the progression of, of those clubs. But usually it's a kind of very small kind of elite group of, of financiers who, even though they are fans, are at the top of the club and are making the decisions. So it's not really the same as fan control football. And they don't really, the kind of average fan who's sitting in the terraces doesn't really have the opportunity to make those kind of defining decisions yeah. or transfers or tactics. Um, but as as you say, it would be it'd be a very hard concept to replicate in in those kind of faster games. I mean, we can all pause the game on Football <laughs> Manager and go go five up front and very attacking and tell our players to get creative or whatever. But um, but yeah, it, it wouldn't necessarily work. I think in in those kind of high speed games, unless you did adapt it, as has happened with with fan control football and change the rules of the game in order to make it maybe more stop-start. So I think if someone had that idea and kind of created their own fan-controlled 
football slash I hate to use the word but <laughs> soccer league I, I think I think I think that could be a real success as fans could get involved on a far greater scale and actually determine the direction direction of their team I mean we've seen we've seen a team like hashtag United yes, if, yes. if you've heard of them Curtis they've kind of had great success online and they interact with their fans a lot but but again they don't really have that level or fans don't really have that level of control over the workings of the club so i hope i hope we see a kind of idea like that in the future but in football specifically i don't really yes, see it working i agree so kind of moving on to our final section of the podcast curtis i think as we have gone so far in depth into fan controlled football this this episode of the podcast i think we should kind of briefly have a look at how this season has gone, this first season where it has gained so much popularity, as you say, because of the pandemic, with it gaining so many fans from the NFL. And so there are four teams in this in this year's championship. There were the Beasts, there were the Glacier Boys, there were the Wild Aces, and there were the Zappers. So how did this season go, effectively? Interestingly, um, you know, I think... Um... Johnny Manziel in particular has had a fantastic season. I've watched many of his highlights, in fact, and it is really entertaining to watch, I must say. Um, I think the Glacier boys did decent, but, um, you know, had some shortfalls in other places, especially defensively sometimes. And I think, um, you know, other franchises are going to be looking to get a guy like Johnny Manziel, essentially, because you want that guy who can sort of head up your franchise. And I think um, those other teams really want someone like the Zappers do. You know, and Johnny Manziel is the guy who who brings in someone like Josh Gordon to help him play. So, you know, moving forward, I think a lot of these teams will be wanting to bring in sort of NFL caliber players almost to to bolster up their squad. And I could really see this happening in the future. Mm -hmm. So was was that the Zappers kind of you mentioned philosophies at the start of the podcast? So is that kind of the Zappers philosophy that they kind of bring in those higher profile players and and reap the reward. Yeah, I mean, um, I, yeah, I don't know how many listeners will be familiar with the NFL in particular, but the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers essentially used this trick to get the Super Bowl um, this year where they just brought in, you know, all sorts of loaded talent and just go for it now kind of mentality, you know. Yeah, it's kind of slightly like a PSG or yes. a Man City in football, bringing in, bringing in the highest quality, but as much as, as much as, You'd like to kind of nurture your own, nurture your own talent. I think the benefits of it are obvious, and they've obviously reaped the rewards. But I see that the Wild Aces actually were champions of this of this year's tournament. They beat the Glacier Boys forty six forty in the tournament and in the final. Sorry, and I guess that's kind of testament to the excitement that fan controlled football can create because the league season, if you can call it that only really decides who who you play in the playoffs. So I think the team that finishes first can actually vote on who they want to play in the playoffs. And as much as Zappos may have had the best players and uh, been the best team potentially, anything can happen in the playoffs. And that's kind of the beauty of, of the Yeah, that's concept, right. And I, I think um, that score as well, I don't know if you watched the, the highlights of the final game, but it was really quite crazy mm -hmm. given... 46 to 40 is an immensely high scoring game essentially you would never see something like that in nfl 
And so you can really see the appeal of it to fans who are looking for something which is a bit shorter, a bit more dynamic. And I think that really epitomises it. And it was a great advert for the game. Yeah, I think that's a great point to finish on, Curtis. I think fan-controlled football is a brilliant idea. I was really taken by it when I when I had a look at your article. It's something that really appealed to me. And as I said, I downloaded the app myself. I haven't quite paid the money yet. I haven't quite uh, yeah. gone that distance. But it's, some, it's something that I'll definitely look to do in the future. Um, just before we go, Curtis, can you give a shout out to your socials so that anyone listening can follow you and keep up to date with yeah you can essentially NFL. just follow my you can um add me on facebook i'm happy to chat or you can um check out my ball articles like um sam said i'm not on twitter unfortunately but I'll, I'll look to get one set up maybe this summer yeah and there's another article that curtis did recently which is on the nfl draft which is coming up i think it's is yeah it that's right this it's month on the um, month? 29th of april and, this year yeah and obviously the nfl draft is I mean, the whole concept is hugely exciting and Curtis breaks it down really well in that article. And so you should definitely go and have a look at that. Um, so this, this podcast has been something slightly different, but I hope, I hope all the listeners who've got this far enjoyed it. And I look forward very much to seeing you on, a, on another podcast soon. So thank you very much. <laughs>